Welcome to the parent training for life-changing services. I'm so glad that you're here and so happy that you would take the time to be here. Thank you so much. And I'm just going to turn the time over to Stacy while she tells us some important information. Thanks. Okay. Karen's assistant, Stacy. we need you to know that this meeting is being recorded for training purposes. The purpose of this training is to educate you on some of the principles being taught to your sons, as it can be challenging to fully grasp the concepts just by reading the book written by Maurice Harker called Like Dragons Did They Fight. That's the book that your sons will be taught out of in their groups. The evidence is overwhelming when the parents understand and know how to apply the principles their sons are using, then great things happen. First, we notice that it increases the rate at which the um, warrior becomes a general, which is a graduate of the Sons of Healing program, which is a great benefit financially to you guys. Secondly, better understanding the principles your sons are being taught in group is great for parents or grandparents who want to train their younger children and grandchildren to be more successful in facing this opposition. And third, and maybe most significant, parents are reporting that applying these principles are incredibly enhancing in their own lives. We know your time is valuable, so we'll only be giving an overview of these principles to be respectful of your time. But for more in-depth study of the principles taught in Sons of Helaman, we offer a class called Eternal Warriors, if that's something that you'd be interested in doing. I'm going to turn the time back over to Karen. She is the Life-Changing Services Parent Support Specialist, and she'll introduce our topic for tonight. But please feel free to jump in with questions at any time. Thank you, Stacey. This is our third session, and the first session was about how important it was to recognize that not every voice in our head is a trusted voice, that the adversary is very deceiving. And I know that's just a powerful tool when we know how to do that in our power calendars, the man power calendar, the girl power calendar, as well as just discerning what voices in your head you can trust is highly useful information. And that's something your sons are being trained in on how real the enemy is, that they're not their enemy. There's only one enemy, and it is the adversary, and that's who they're fighting. Then last week we learned about the satanic spin and the chemical scale, and that not only is the adversary doing what we learned in the first week, being a voice in our head that we just thought we could trust because it sounds like us and it's always there, so it must be true. But also, he fights against us at a level that we can't see unless we know how to discern it. And so we learn the scientific side or the biochemical side of how the adversary affects our lives with the satanic spin and the chemical scale. Last week we went over those two things a little bit, but the quick overview of that is that if the adversary knows that our thinking brain is where our value system is, it's in our frontal lobe, and he'll do anything he can, make their thinking brain fall asleep, and he does that by flashing us with memories or thoughts or reminders of emotions, things like that, that are highly emotionally charged, things we care about that would further cause more chemicals to shift in our brain, which causes things to shift in our body. But he knows that our brain is really, really accurate at what it does and that it serves us very well. And that as the chemicals build in our system, 
so do the emotions caused by those chemicals. We are teaching your sons and sons of human to discern what it feels like when the chemicals in their bodies are building and to identify that feeling with a level on a chemical scale so that they know that being at a level zero, one, two, and sometimes a three, you can still fight back and win against an enemy who's pretty strong and knows what he's doing. But if you go beyond a level three, then it will be very difficult for you to win your battles. And so they help them to discern what those levels feel like and to identify them and to name them and to also understand, hey, when I'm in a mood battle, that means I'm at a level two. And I still have the opportunity to use the tools that I've been given in the sense of human to shift that to a good place where I'm safe again, back to a level zero. But if I don't implement my tools, pick them up and use them, and I'm awake to them, that I have them, and I practice them, then it will be very difficult for me to win my battles. Because the biochemical level that the adversary has used to fight against the, the young men and young women who come into our addiction recovery group, it's created such strong pathways in their brains. Because what it is, it's what the adversary does to help us identify what behaviors we can go to that will soothe the pain that we're feeling in our strong emotions. And he knows that our brain has a filing cabinet system that reminds us of those things that we do that help us the fastest and bring us the most pleasure, the fastest relief of our pain. And your son and daughters, they're trying to practice lots of tools, but before they can even start practicing them, there's a level of detoxing that has to happen. There's a level of sobriety that has to happen and evidence that they have to build up that it's worth picking up the tools and it's worth trying. Because if you have a brain with a really strong neural pathway that says, I like doing this thing so much that you can't stop me, even though your value system says you should stop. It's stronger than that. Some people refer to it, especially uh, the men that I, that I visited with that I have so much respect for that are in recovery. They'll say, the addict brain does not want to heal. The addict brain wants to hold on as tightly as it can to what serves it. And that's why we deceive and lie so readily. That's why we have a really hard time following through and picking up weapons that people try to hand us to fight this battle with because our addict brain is saying, no, do not starve me. I really, I love what I'm doing over here and everything you're doing that will make me go away. I don't want that. So there's a part of their brain also when they're to, the, to this level that they're trying to start. We're trying to, to create new neural pathways that are becoming strong. And because they're fighting in the spirit with the spirit, and they're seeing lots of evidence of other young men that it works. And they start noticing after practicing that they're finding success. That's when they can override that feeling of the addict brain. 
So it takes, a, it takes a little while, and it's important as a parent to know, I need to be patient while my son is learning the biochemical side of this addiction, how to identify what chemicals feels feel like. And tonight, we're going to discuss some of the tools that your son will be handed for his bag, his bag that he carries around as a warrior. So if you can start thinking of your son, the name of the book that all of these principles are coming from is Like Dragons Did They Fight? And that scripture is found in Mosiah chapter 11, verse 20. And it says that they fought for their lives and for their wives and for their children. And they exerted themselves and like dragons did they fight. So what they're trying to do is wake up a warrior a mentality, a thinking process, and uh, an ability to recognize that the adversary is so determined in what he's going to do, and they have to be just as determined. I'm going to read you a quote about that by Elder Monson. This talk that this comes from, Keep the Commandments by Elder Monson, is so incredible. It says, I am confident So when you think of, I'm in a group, and I have some goals, and I want to be successful in these goals, President Monson says that he's confident that each of us has our ultimate goal, life everlasting in the presence of our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. It is imperative, therefore, for us to make choices throughout our lives that will lead us to this great goal. We know, however, that the adversary is committed to our failure. He and his hosts are relentless in their efforts to thwart our righteous desires. Okay, now here it comes. We're trying to wake up the warrior inside them and give them a ferocity against an enemy who's trying to destroy them and their future families. He and his hosts, the adversary, he and his hosts were relentless in their efforts to thwart our righteous desires. They represent a grave and constant threat to our eternal salvation unless we are also relentless in our determination and efforts to achieve our goal. The Apostle Peter warns us, Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may destroy. Real quick, Karen, do you have that President Monson quote? Do you have a reference for it? Yeah, it's in Keep the Commandments. And so... You might notice as your son is in the Sons of Healing program or your daughter in Daughters of Light that their language and the way that they speak about themselves, about the enemy, and about their capabilities changes because they're being trained to speak like, I am a son of God, and use tools that make them feel like that when they use them. We're going to talk about some of those tools. So, Before we do, I'm going to show you a video here of a young man who, he exemplifies what I just described, going from a place where I'm in an addiction and I'm really struggling to, this is who I am and this is what's cool about me. So we're going to talk about just the different tools before I show you this. I'll tell you a little bit. We're going to talk about Border Patrol. What is Border Patrol? Okay, we're going to talk about flag poles. We're going to talk about drills. We're going to talk about passion projects and service and how those tools in a warrior's bag in his tool belt are so essential to him winning and remembering how to fight. 
And each one of these warrior weapons he'll be using are critical to his success. So here's a young man. He mentions a flagpole and service in his little statement here. I want you to hear what he says. But more than that, you can tell he's relentless. He has reached a level of ferocity that is relentless. Okay? And this is one of our Warrior General graduates. And uh, he's presenting. Anyway, he's just a really awesome young man with so much energy. But when he gets in the place where he's really talking about who he is, it's phenomenal. What he's describing here and what we'll talk about tonight is some of the tools that he's learned to use. Here we go. Free and not being addicted to it anymore, but you become a better man. Um, and that's what I really love. I know one of my favorite things to do against Satan is when he attacks me, um, I do my flagpole and then I pull out my cell phone. And I'm like, okay, Heavenly Father, tell me when to stop. And I scroll through my contacts, and then boom, there's a name right there. Most of the time, it's a girl's name. No, it, it's always a girl's name. I tap on that, go to a message, and I start typing. Just have the spirit just speed right through me. I'm just telling her how amazing she is. Just boom, 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 boom. Like, you're so amazing. I love the way you smile. I love the way that you stand up for what is true. And I know that you're an example to everyone around you, even though that you don't know that all. And I hit send. And whoosh, I get washed. I just just get flooded with the spirit. My like, kick that Satan. Oh, you got nothing on me, pal. I just made the I, I just made this girl's date, and there's nothing you can do about it. stop it. You want to like because you don't have a body, I have a body, and you can't do anything to stop me at all. And I love it so much that I can impact a woman's life like that. And and that's what I've become. Okay, so notice how he said, the first thing he said is, first I do my flagpole. Then I do something to cause the enemy pain. Okay, he knows that I'm fighting an enemy who's trying to destroy me, and now I know what he's doing to everybody else around me, because I know that he's speaking in people's heads. I know that he's fighting on a biochemical level, and that people don't even notice that. He's putting people to sleep, and they can't even see it. And I see that. Because I'm being trained in this incredible group. And now, instead of thinking, I'm my own worst enemy and I'm a loser, he's my enemy. And with the ferocity that I've gained and the confidence that's come and these new neural pathways that I've been building, starving the ones that don't serve me, that are trying to hang on so, so desperately, now I'm to a point where there's a tool I use of these skills that we're going to talk to about tonight called the flagpole. And a flagpole is somewhere that your warrior runs to that's safe. Somewhere he goes that he knows there's safety. So this is compared to like a fire drill at a school. When the fire drill goes off, everybody knows exactly what to do with their bodies and their voice and their brains and their hands. They just have been trained and drilled to go outside to the flagpole where it's safe until they know that it's safe to go back in. And the purpose of the flagpole is that very thing. So your son is coming up with a place, and he'll figure out what his place is with his clinician and with his personal warrior trainer. And by listening to other young men in group, what their flagpoles are. Okay, and so a flagpole is just for him to run to a safe place because it's somewhere where it's absolutely impossible to lose a battle. 
There's no way I'm going to lose a battle there. It's too safe. Okay, so my son, his flagpole, he got it from another general, was our mailbox. He would run to our mailbox outside, and they often would joke around saying, nobody has ever lost a battle at their flagpole. Nobody has ever lost a battle at their mailbox. You just don't. You don't lose battles at your mailbox. So that was his flagpole. It's my safe place that I go. Okay. And then the next thing is service. This young man mentioned service. What was the service he mentioned? Finding a, a, somebody he knows on his phone and complimenting them. Excellent. So that service was so significant to him. Could you tell why? Who was he causing pain? Satan. Satan. Yeah. So to him, this is my weapon. I'm using this to cause you pain. Now that I've seen you just showed up and we almost went toe-to-toe and I need to run to my flagpole, you're in trouble. I will cause you pain. And uh, it's the mentality that they get to. That, you know what? I have lots more power over you with this body and with my ferocity, and I can cause you further pain by showing up just by doing something, an act of service. So they're taught that service is critical. Their M square is minister. They're encouraged to do that for women, for girls, because they've been used to, their, their brain has gotten used to objectifying women and not staying in a place of respecting Heavenly Father's daughters for who they are. Okay, so service is a huge thing. Another thing that they can have Service can also be something that is their passion project, okay? So a passion project is something that your son does on purpose because he is aware that idle hands are the devil's workshop. So he's learning in group that, you know what, if you're sitting around idle and you don't have anything going on in your brain and you're not doing anything with your time that is effectively using it, then it leaves you wide open for the adversary. They ask your warrior to come up with a passion project. And it can be anything from a hobby to service to exercise. Uh, And Stacy and I were talking earlier today, and she mentioned something really cool about how to recognize maybe, because a lot of boys, especially when they're in that numb a sleep place, just starting in recovery, there's someone suggests, do a passion project. And they're like, whatever, what should I do? Right? I don't know what to do. And so anyway, she had some great ideas for noticing. Would you share that, Stace? Okay. So trying to notice, I have two boys who are in this battle. So trying to notice what brings them joy just naturally. What is something that they come home from doing and they just are full of energy or full of the spirit or, you know, outside of technology, things like going on a run or playing the guitar, uh, shooting hoops outside, something that just feels really natural and good to my son where he's just full of the spirit kind of naturally. That's a passion project. He's using his body which is the one tool Satan doesn't have that we have to fight back. So doing something that already naturally brings the spirit, doing that in a really consistent, purposeful way is a very effective tool. So helping your son to kind of recognize what are some of the things that make you feel awesome 
and make you feel the spirit. And it doesn't have to be singing church songs. It could be going hunting or fishing or just something with the body that makes you feel awesome. That can be a passion project. Something you go to when you're starting to feel like you're about to make a choice that isn't correct. You can think about the things that you are passionate about doing and go to that tool. I'm glad Stacy mentioned uh, our bodies. And I mentioned that before in the other weeks, but in case you haven't been here, our body is the weapon the adversary doesn't have. And he's convinced lots of us that we have no control over this body and that we shouldn't respect it or appreciate it or think highly of it when it is something that we shouted for joy for. And it's actually something God has given us that we can use to fight our battles with. And that quote by Joseph Smith, it says, Satan will have no power over you except that that you give him. That's a real thing. And if you think this is my weapon, and if I use it to be powerful against you, it can actually assist in changing neural pathways quicker when you do things, not just with your thinking brain, thinking, I got to stop this. I'm going to do better. What What should be my new plan? But when you get up and you use your body, so all these tools we're talking about tonight, use your body. It's huge. Your warrior sons are being trained that you can't win a battle against Satan without your body. You've got to use your body. That's important to know. And it's important for us to know, too. Uh, So passion projects are something they do, and the more they can make that a consistent habit, something that they go to that's like, when I have idle time, it's something I enjoy doing, something I like to do, something that brings me peace or happiness or other people peace and happiness while I'm doing it. Okay. Another tool is drills. Just like a soldier or an athlete or a musician creates muscle memory. That's what they're creating, muscle memory, so that when it comes time to compete or fight or perform, they don't have to think, oh, which one, what was I going to do? How do I play this? How do I fight this enemy? What's the latest technique I've used for my really awesome layup? They don't do that. Their body automatically gets, this is what we do. We don't even think about it. We have trained us so well that we have muscle memory. So a drill is creating on purpose some physical and spiritual muscle memory so that when you are beginning to shift in your chemistry because you're aware of the chemical scale and where you're at, you can have an alarm that goes off in your head that's like, dude, you know exactly what to do because when you weren't even in battle, you have drilled this when you were at a level zero. You've already drilled this over and over and over again. So now that you're really in a battle and you are, you can tell you're shifting and you need to do something about it before it's too late. Because you've practiced, when you weren't in the heat of battle, you could crush the enemy because your drill shifts your chemistry back to a zero. Because you're using your body, but you're also using the spirit. So that's what a drill is. A drill is something I create on purpose because I'm losing a battle. So I mentioned that my son would run to the mailbox. One of his drills would be 
he'd first go to his flagpole. Flagpole is the mailbox. When he'd get to the flagpole, he'd say, how am I doing? He'd ask, how am I doing? He'd check his chemistry, and if his chemistry wasn't flushed out just by going to the mailbox and, you know, thinking some strong ferocity thoughts and in the spirit and calling upon God's power to come and fight the battle with him, and he knew, I'm still not there, I'm, I'm off. Then he would go to his drill, and this was my son's drill, and he had different intensities or levels of his drill. So if he wasn't good at the mailbox, then he had to run in front of our house, and we live on an, our yards on a big incline. He had to run in front of our house and up the side yard, up the incline of our yard, and get on the trampoline. So he's pretty good at the trampoline, and he could do flips and all that kind of stuff. And he was just really skilled at trampoline skills. And so he would get on the trampoline and he would start jumping. But while he was jumping in between his tricks, he had a drill down. I do this flip and I do some ninja moves. Like he had things down. I do stuff because I'm in a battle. And then when he was done with the trampoline, he would check himself. And usually that's all it took. But there were times when it was like, no, I can tell I'm not good. So he had another level. It was the third level that he would have to take it to. And it was like, okay, now I have to run all the way down the hill, quite a ways, all the way down the hill from the trampoline to the mailbox again. And I do things, opening the mailbox and yelling things into the mailbox. Okay. So it was what he did. And it was something to shift his brain into thinking, what are you doing? What are you doing? You don't feel like doing this. You don't want to do this, but you're like, I will do this because I'm taking back my freedom, my power. But my son did not do drills or flagpoles that looked awesome in the beginning. It took him time uh, to really want to pick up those weapons. And it wasn't until he started reading just little Little things that I could see, boy, he is really, he's trying to stay awake all the time. But I noticed his drills and his flagpoles went up exponentially. But initially, when you're sitting on a couch in a group with a bunch of boys and you see another boy acting like that young man you just watched on the video, first of all, you're thinking, he's funny. He is cool and he's funny. He's kind of crazy. But at the same time, you're thinking, all right, I just don't feel like doing that. I'm not really there yet. That's I'm not feeling it yet. And it takes you falling down, falling down, falling down, thinking, oh, all I have to do is my manpower calendar. All I have to do is my prayers, my writing, and my reading. All I have to do is a passion project. I'll be good. But really, it, get, it has to get to the point with a young man that he recognized my ferocity is so high. And I become a crazy, awesome warrior for Jesus Christ in order to overcome this. And that's when they go crazy good is when they start doing that. But it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. Some young men come in and they're just ready because they just are in a place in their brain and in their maturity level and their personality. They're just like, give it to me. I'm ready. And they'll go straight to graduating. Other young men... It takes them a while. That is okay. 
That's okay. They're in an excellent place with excellent tools and have excellent mentors in the other young men in the group and their personal wage trainer and their clinician. Okay, and then I have one last tool to talk about, all right? And it is Border Patrol. Remember in the scriptures how Captain Moroni, he's so incredibly awesome. We read about him in Alma 48, where it says that they prepared themselves with shields and with breastplates, and they had also prepared themselves with garments of skins, yea, and with thick garments to cover, cover their nakedness. Okay, that right there, talking about after the enemy saw how cool Captain Moroni had dressed his warriors, that's how they showed up next, was like that. That's describing, okay, if you're going to fight at that level, so am I. I'm getting dressed too. I'm going to do some stuff too. And then it goes on to say in verse 7 of chapter 49, sorry, and being thus prepared, they supposed that they should easily overpower the subject and subject their brethren into the yoke of bondage or slay and massacre, massacre them according to their pleasure. But behold... To their utmost astonishment, they were prepared for them in a manner which never had been known among the children of men. And then it goes on to describe what they did. And you know the story. They dug ditches and the big, huge things of dirt. And they, they put big watchtowers and they had sharp sticks. And there's only one way that you can get to me. It's right through here through the entrance. And if you even try to come get me, then I'm going to kill you while you're trying. This is exactly what these young men are up to. They're being trained to notice and to prepare before the enemy shows up. And to make it so intense that it's in a manner that's never before been seen. And so when you're a young man, if he's new, and he shows up to group, and he watches these other young men that are ahead of him, and they're doing it in a manner that has never before been seen. That's why it's important that your son witnesses a general's panel. It's important that your son understands what it sounds like when a boy at that level speaks. So that he can say, oh, that's the manner that's never before been seen. I have to use drills. I have to use passion projects. I have to do all of these things. And if your son were in a group with all sons starting at the exact same time, it would be so hard for him to learn all the tools. But because he has people ahead of him and also people behind him that are looking now to him because he's been in group for a while, it's this brotherhood that they create. It's like, dude, come on. Or... You can get this good at this, and it's possible. And it creates a lot, a lot of warrior mentality. Next week, we're going to talk about warrior chemistry and tie all of these things that we've learned in these three sessions together into this is why. This is why. This is the ultimate neutralizer. With all of these tools and understanding warrior chemistry, you are the crusher. And so next week we'll talk about that. But I wanted to show you another example of a young man that is like this. 
We talked about Border Patrol. I didn't quite tell you what that was. So here's a man describing what Border Patrol is. Just a little piece of it. Then we'll finish talking about it after he describes it. Okay, this young man. He's a pretty great guy. He's just recently went on a mission about three months ago. And uh, he before you, he gets to this part, um, he has, tells that his addiction started when he was 10 years old. And uh, yeah, he had to fight hard and long. He talks about... What was it that finally helped him to win? When Maurice implemented manpower into the program and made it required, I went straight to 12 weeks. Um, I started doing manpower, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Um, but that's, that's what did it for me, is that constant routine. I've never been good with journaling. I've never been good with reading the scripture, saying my prayers. I've got that down now. It's, it's every single day without fail. I, I was not that kind of person. That's not part of my personality to be organized. I'm totally ADD. I'm everywhere. Furthest thing from OCD it gets, and he's like, ah, no, I don't want to do all that stuff. That's every once in a while kind of thing. It's every single day now. Um, so that's that's what really helped me get to where I'm at. And now I'm, I'm in this really cool place, and the thoughts of I'm broken turned into I'm a genius, and that's awesome. Um, I like being a genius. I know Maurice can second me on that because <laughs> he likes being a genius too, and that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, I am, and I've, I've been able to help people, and I'm, I'm working with with boys and helping them through the program. I'm a general now, and so I can, I'm in a place where I can do that, and it's it's awesome. And I'm fighting so that they can fight, and just kind of changing their lives and changing my own life and just making it better and better and better. So the principles of this program, they really do work. It's not just a day. You can apply the principles of manpower and the goal setting and everything we do in group. To every aspect and every area of your, of your life. Okay, so he says the thing that did it for him, because he fought for a long time, but then we started implementing manpower using that calendar where you are required every day to have a heightened level of spirituality to increase your spiritual discernment in battle. Because this war and winning this war for these young men and for us takes two things. It takes our, it takes faith and works. It takes spiritual and physical things. So they have these three spiritual goals, and they have three physical things that they do too. Their man goals are physical. Their power goals, PWR, those are their spiritual goals. So this young man fought and fought and fought using all these tools except for manpower. But when they implemented manpower. He went straight to 12 weeks. So that's why a personal lawyer trainer is so useful because he's the accountability and the drill or the assistant coach to the clinician who helps your son solidify the intensity, whether his manpower is meaningful and sufficient enough to win battles. Okay, I have one more thing to show you. Did you get to the Border Patrol? Did you explain them what that was? Okay, so Border Patrol is every spiritual routine you have. So it can be memorizing scriptures. It can be listening to conference talks. It can be singing hymns. It can be doing your your prayers, your writing, and your reading. Those are a must. You have to do those. In order to graduate, you have to do those for 28 consecutive days without fail. All of your manpower, 
all of those things are patrolling your border. So each of us have borders that we have to protect and patrol. And the adversary is just waiting for us to think he's not going to show up and we don't need those borders to be patrolled. Because it's been a while. Aren't you getting tired? You haven't really lost any battles. You've been doing really good. You're good. So we get lazy, kind of confident, and we might do it, but not with meaning or not at a sufficient level that keeps us armored and keeps our borders strong. So it's a border patrol is everything your son does to patrol his border. And one way I've heard Maurice put it that I love is just like those Nephites prepared in a manner that had never before been seen, one of the things they created was a watchtower. And someone would stand in the watchtower and they could see what was coming. And that's exactly what the Savior is for us. He's in the watchtower and he can see what's coming. But there's no way he can tell us or that we can discern what he's trying to tell us unless we've figured out how to have some meaning border patrol where we're walking around our border, keeping them strong with these spiritual routines, checking in at the watchtower quite often to ask him, where am I at? Where am I at on the chemical scale? What kind of tool do I need to pull out here? And your young man will be encouraged to use alarm on his phone to remind him, hey, it's time for a drill. He's to use things that he does already in his life that are part of a routine to add some of these tools to those already routines. So I'm just going to give you some personal stories, little examples I've heard of some of these tools. Okay, so this young man, one of the ways I've heard him describe this is, I became crazy about winning. I finally decided I'm sick of this, so sick of it. And I became crazy about winning. I told my mom, I'm going to be a crazy person about winning this battle, mom. So don't even question what I'm doing. I'm going to be crazy. And so she's like, all right. Well, one of the things I've seen him do, and I know he got so good at drills and learning to prepare for battle ahead of time and learning to be so discerning of his chemistry that he could take the enemy out at a sniper's view. Like my son put it, you can take the enemy out at a sniper's view 300 yards away at the slightest movement in your direction. You can take him out. Because when you fight hand-to-hand combat with a 7,000-year-old military and psychological genius, it's not very wise. That's what they're training them. If you get really good at discerning where you are on the scale and using these tools on purpose, not just when you're desperate, but you know how to use them in the spirit so that you can take them out way over there and be done. Then they start really seeing success. And this young man, his addiction started when he was eight years old, and his parents didn't find out until he was 16 years old. So he really, really struggled all by himself, and it got pretty intense. So for him to win, it took him a lot of effort. And one of the things I've seen this young man do is we were visiting. We were actually manning a booth together, and we were visiting. And right in the middle of our visiting, there were lots of people walking by. So I don't know what he noticed or what made him shift, but he knew I'm shifted. And 
right in the middle of what we were talking about, he just looked me in the eye and said, I'll be right back. And I thought, okay. So he left, and I thought, I don't know why he left so suddenly, but he left. And I was at the booth for a while. Pretty soon he comes back, and he's flushed, all red-faced. He's got sweat coming down right here. And I knew what he'd done, because I know this stuff. And so I was like, dude. You just went and did a drill, didn't you? He was like, yes, I did. And then I said, so cool. Tell me what you did. And so he said, well, I just went out in the parking lot and did 75 push-ups. And uh, this guy went from this little teeny guy to this big neck, big chest, big bicep shoulder guy, just because he did so many push-ups. Amazing. One of his drills was, I go do push-ups and tell my chemical shift. And uh, while they do their push-ups and do their drills, they also have things that they're speaking in the spirit that have veracity, and they're calling upon the powers of heaven to come and help them. And they do it in a super cool way. And this is the way it sounds. Let me share this with you. This is something he sent from his mission. He says, 12 years ago, my addiction began. Eight years of lonely darkness until we were able to find people who could help me. It took 60 long roller coaster weeks before I could get my feet under me. Today is the 1,000th day. That's no last battles. Today is the 1,000th day that I have been free. So he wrote this from his mission. He got to day 1,000 on his mission that I have been free. I stand free and tall as a changed being, no longer racked, helpless, and self-loathing. I stand as a warrior of God, a general among the sons of Helaman, a protector like Moroni, a leader like Moses, and a healed disciple of Christ like the blind man healed at the pool of Bethesda. Like a dragon will I fight until Satan rues the day he chose to mess with this son of God. So that was really when when his mother sent me that. It was so emotional for me because I just thought, oh, gosh, it's so cool. So cool. And you have a mother and a father heart at your house. And so do I at my house. And there's nothing more intense than the feelings of a tender parent. When you have someone who you want to plead and do everything you can to help them to heal. But you're noticing agency is so real. And so are chains. And the adversary is good at what he does, but Christ is so much better at what he does. He knows our sons. He knows our daughters. He knows us. And he will help us when we say, I'm ready. And uh, I've seen it over and over again. And I have such a testimony of it. No one could make me deny it with the power of the Savior and his atonement. Because I've seen it so much. And I know that it happens here. And so I'm so excited for you to notice how your son does that, because he'll do it different than anyone else. Anyway, do you have any questions or any any comments? Uh, anything in the chat, Stacey? 
someone asked if the generals meeting, if boys were invited and absolutely. Uh, I love bringing my boys or at least having it on when they're doing homework or something. It is an online meeting just like this. Oh, here's one. How do you approach your boy to ask what their flagpole is or what they're doing for these tools? Right. That's awesome. Okay. So that's a question on a parent's mind. Always. How do you approach them? How do I make sure that they're doing that? Right. This is not going to sound fun or good. Okay, and you're not going to like it very much because I wouldn't have liked it at all when I was initially showing up. When my son and I initially showed up to something like you are, I was ready because now we were not only had gotten him to agree to invest himself into something, we were financially investing in something. And I already tried to invest so much of me in helping him overcome stuff through the other things we tried. None of them were really working because we were still here. And so because I had this thought that if I try harder than I've ever tried and make sure that he's doing all that he should be doing in this program, he's going to get it. What I didn't realize is that when I did that, it actually slowed him down because he needed to hear the boys say it. He needed to hear the clinicians suggest it over and over and over again. He needed to hear a personal wire trainer ask him, what's your flagpole? And him say again, uh, I don't have one. Till finally they said, dude, are you going to man up or what? And that's why you're losing. That's why you're at week four. That's why you can't, you can't get to week 12. Uh, but if your mom says it, it makes it slow way down. So I'm not saying don't ever ask your son about anything. What I'm trying to get you to hear is you can't do anything to make sure your son is going to graduate quickly and do everything right. You are powerless there. But you are so powerful and have so much power in your ability to find the strength of the Savior and to cause conversations to happen with your son that bring him to a place where he's thinking in his man brain about stuff he should be doing. Not being reminded or policed about stuff he should be doing. Okay, and the, the way that's done is... I'll just really quickly, there's a, a, a term or a tool that we use, and it's uh, called Conversations with the Holy Ghost. And um, Maurice Harker says, the Holy Ghost is a ghost, and he will haunt you. And so you don't need to police your son. All you need to do is have the Spirit with you when you speak. And the only way you can have a Spirit with you when you speak is if you're not thinking all the time, what can I do to make sure that you do this? You're driving me crazy. You're supposed to be doing A, B, C, D, all these to Z, and you're only doing A and B. And we've already paid over $500. You know, you start getting crazy about things. And that's exactly what the adversary wants you to do so that you can't be the kind of support and atmosphere angels that he needs. He wants you to play into his hand of, dude, you are never going to get this. You need, you need a babysitter. You need, you need people to tell you what to do. But 
if I know the Holy Ghost does his job and he always does it really well and perfectly, he never does a bad job at his job. But I am a, a mother who is thinking, how can I say this? How can I make sure? How do I approach them to do that? Really? It's things like this. Son, I am so impressed that you are in a group where you are becoming such an incredible warrior. I love that you're thinking like a warrior. And warriors always make women feel safer. That's so cool. Thanks for doing that. I bet you are so pleased with your progress. Thank you so much for making me so safe. And then you hug him, you kiss him, you give him a fist bump, whatever it is you do at your house, whatever your ingredients are, and you stay in a place of, I don't care what your answer is. I don't care what your answer is, because I'm leaving, and you and the Holy Ghost are going to talk. I'm leaving the room, and you guys get to decide and talk about how you're doing with your progress. And he's going to tell you, and you're going to hear and feel and remember what you guys talk about. But if I stay here and wait for your answer and hope that you got a hint from what I said because you're making me crazy, then it doesn't work. But it takes so much practice as a parent to stay in a healthy, supporting place in a different way than it takes your son. Your son takes him so much practice to do what he's doing, and it takes you a lot of practice to say, how can I be powerful when I'm powerless? How can I make a difference and hopefully enhance the tide that this battle's taking for my son instead of make it more difficult because I'm in fear and doubt and worry and my pocketbook is shrinking. It's hard, really hard. And you're not alone. Two things I'd like to say about that. Number one is you need to be with other people who have walked where you've walked, just like we've described in this meeting. The reason your boy starts waking up and doing better and learning how to do what it is he's required to do, just like you learn how to do what it is you're required to do as a supporter, is because I'm watching young men ahead of me do it. And they are amazing, and they talk different, and they think different. And I'm also seeing people that are just coming behind me and how broken and sad they are and realize I'm not that broken. I'm not that sad like I was. I'm doing a little better. Okay, this is kind of working. This is good. I'm, I'm doing something right. And it increases our confidence. That's what happens when you get involved in mothers you know or come to these trainings. Okay, you start noticing, okay, I have to think different. I have to approach this different. Or I'm going to get spiritually sick and emotionally sick. Okay, and then the other thing is your son's being trained in principles, scientific principles. He's being trained in spiritual principles, intense things that are also teaching him how to access the atonement of Jesus Christ on purpose. And he is taking those principles from the Life Dragons Did They Fight book and implementing it then into his life. That's what they do in Sons of Human. And if you want to know what he's learning, or you want to discern 
the scientific and spiritual side of things, then that's parents learn those same things in Eternal Warriors. Okay, so those are two great resources for parents. Getting better and better at what we do to serve the whole family instead of just the young man, like Stacy said at the beginning. We've really noticed if you just work with the young man, it's awesome. But if the parents don't get involved, it's not as good. It's amazing what happens if the parents get involved. Well, thank you so much for being here. I want to honor you and express my gratitude for that, especially you dads. I want you to know you rock. I'm impressed. Okay, so, yeah, I'll see you next week. We're going to talk about this coolest thing that we do in Sons of the Human and in all our programs that you need to know about. We all, every person needs to know why we shouted for joy for this body. It's not just because we got one, because it's a weapon. Just one more thing, Karen. If, you, if you're pretty new to the program, if your son attends an in-person group, he should have received a packet or a, one of the Light Dragons books, a hard copy in his um, group. Or if he's doing online, the office sends out a Light Dragons book to your home. I found that my boys lost those books a lot, so I wanted one for myself, kind of in a safe place where it wouldn't get lost. So we have a store where you can buy hard copies of the Dragons book. Or there's a request where you can get an ebook if you'd rather just read it on a tablet or something. That's a free version. So that's one of the most helpful things I found at the beginning was having my own Dragon's books so I could refer back to it. And I hope your sons read it. It was really powerful for my husband and I to read that when my kids started. And it's written by Maurice, who created the Sons of Healing program. I just wanted you to know, too, yes, we want your sons to read that book. That would be awesome. We want you to read that book. But even if your son doesn't read that book, he's still going to be great. Because there's enough going on. And he'll still get it, but it'll take him a little longer to get it. Okay, we'll see you next week. Thanks for being here.